This message brought to you by the United States government. Is this thing on? Oh, Dark Hollow Paranatural is fake news. Don't listen to anything these people say because it's just a bunch of shady characters. Think they're news reporters or something. Dark Hollow Paranatural is for entertainment purposes only. Tonight on Dark Hollow Paranatural, the coronavirus, we discuss its truth and the unrealities that might be out there. From the depths of the Kentucky caverns, a new threat emerges and the tall tales of the great-tailed grackle. Stay tuned. Dark Hollow Paranatural starts now. From the DHP studios in Sleepy Hollow. Amid the shades and the shadows. And things that go bump in the night. I'm Michael Darkhollow, and welcome to Darkhollow Paranatural for Friday, February 7th, 2020. Welcome back once again, people, to this season of Dark Hollow Paranatural, the year 2020, when we are going to give you true sight, 2020 vision, as it were, to what the big government entities and corporate um, naysayers out there might be trying to hide from the prying eyes of the public. Today, we have a couple of special guests that you haven't heard from in quite a while sitting across from me here in the Dark Hollow studio. A voice from the past about five years ago is the last time you heard from her. Laura Ketchum, everybody. Hello, Michael and everybody out there. So, Laura, uh, last we heard from you, you were doing some investigative reporting and whistleblowing on a lot of, uh, well... GMOs I guess, yeah, if people are interested in that, they can listen to our backlog of programs. But uh, what are you up to these days? That is the most important question. Well, once we went on a quote-unquote hiatus, government enforced. Yeah, we, we can't talk about the details of that, Laura. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, well, I had we all had such fun and interesting time listening to Alex's stories. So I decided to go on one of Alex's adventures and I didn't even have to pay since I'm part of the staff, which was nice. That's some, some of the perks. Yes. And we had a good time. And he was saying that I was a natural. I'm not sure how he knew because he stayed in camp. And I was the one out in the woods. But Such is one of the mysteries of Alex Thurgood. Yes. So he said I was a natural and took me on as an apprentice. And for my graduation from him, we went to check out the New Jersey Devil in the swamp of New Jersey. Yes, I'm very familiar with that. And we had no sightings of the devil itself. Um, and in the process, in the swamp, we only lost two locals. And that was like almost a record for Alex's adventuring. True. So I graduated, and now I'm... at. First, I was doing his excess work, and now I'm out doing adventures of my own. Not with people, not, you know, open for tours or anything, but just exploring things on my own. Well, it certainly sounds like you've had an exciting time of it. And uh, these days, you're sort of our investigative reporter, whereas Alex is sort of a freelance. He does his thing. Um, He doesn't really go where I ask him to anymore, but you do. And since you're a little Thurgood light, I guess you might say, um, a knee-high Thurgood, maybe. Hey. All right, enough height jokes. Um, you know, it's you're you're 
as always, a great asset to the program. And I understand you have some very interesting things to discuss with us tonight. Well, Michael, as my first return to DHP adventure, I went out to check out that case in Idaho you had spoken of earlier. Now you mean the uh, baby back rib slings? Yes. And have I got news for you about the killer? Oh, fantastic. Well, hold that thought, Laura. Uh, let's go ahead and introduce our next guest for today. Uh, truly a voice from the past. Um, he was on our program in the very early days of the podcast, um, sort of during our transition from radio to the internet. Uh, he came speaking to us about the uh, horrible nature and dangers of the zombie virus. Jonathan Ambrose, everybody. Welcome. How you doing? I'm doing well. Um, how are you doing, Jonathan? I'm having so much fun, I could just drop a log. Well, all righty then. Please, not not in that chair. That's I'll, Jay's favorite seat. I'll try to keep that in mind. All right. So um, I understand that you also have some information to share with us regarding the coronavirus. We specifically asked you to come in because um, of all of the misinformation that's out there around the coronavirus. I've heard some crazy things and maybe you'll be able to uh shed some light on what's true and what's false and maybe maybe even tell us a few things that people haven't realized the full extent of the terror here well i hope hope to bring some uh some light to the situation all right jonathan well uh, looking forward to hear what you have to say on that topic uh tell us what you've been uh, been up to during the the interim since we last spoke okay well it's it's been a minute since i've been here this is true um the last time we spoke, uh, it was back during the Arab Spring, where the uh, uh, turned out that there was actually a a zombie virus that was causing the uh, a, a, a serious uh, problem in these Arab countries, and in uh, and they were using a, a, an uprising to cover the fact that there were a lot of people just dropping dead from this zombie virus. So were they dropping dead and indeed standing back up though? Oh, well, yeah, but that, that, that took a little bit. Um, yeah. So since then I've been, uh, I've been trying to develop something that would, uh, redeaden these people. If you've watched the documentaries on AMC, you'll know that I've not had much luck, um, developing this, uh, this cure for the, for the zombie condition. But you know, I, I'm, I have, uh, hope in my heart so we'll see all right well that sounds like a plan it, does it have anything to do with this uh corpocaine i've heard of i heard of novocaine for deadening you know tooth pain uh corpocaine i heard was supposed to deaden uh, the pain from corpses which i thought was incredibly strange idea but the way you put this it sounds like it might possibly be one of your prototypes uh well i i really can't speak up about it until uh until i get everything finalized all right. Yeah, I understand uh, all this, uh, the need for secrecy and secrecy and everything. When you're dealing with uh, big pharma, uh, there's a lot of corporate espionage and such as yourself. Are you affiliated with any of the big, uh, the big pharmacies or, or drug research corporations out there? No, no, no. I'm, I'm not uh, trying to make a, I'm just trying to make a living, not a killing. So yeah, well definitely keep, keep your formula, your, your prototype names and everything well guarded because uh these companies will eat you alive right man yeah. but at least then you'll stay that way well hopefully all right so let's go ahead and launch into our first uh first stage of tonight's program what we like to do here in the 2020 season is to go back over the topics we've discussed recently 
uh, and see if anyone at the table has more to add or different viewpoints or anything that might have evolved over time. So um, does anyone, I know you do, Laura, you've already announced it, have any insight into the baby back rib killer plaguing Idaho? I've heard he's he, she, it, whatever it may be, might be moving on. The death tally has reached a stall point from what I understand. Um, so, uh, Laura, what, what information did you have? Okay. Um, I do not have the identity or name of the killer, but I have through research and questioning and interviews there, um, ascertained that the killer is a descendant of the Chila con- uh, culture. That is an ancient civilization uh, that was around between the 5th and 6th century in Korea. That's a long time ago. Indeed. Well, that's why I say descendant, you know. it's um, So there's a number of features and reasons why I am positive that that is the background of this killer. Uh, for example, the Chila race had elongated heads, which would indeed let them swallow the ribs whole. And the killer is feeding his victims, but they aren't of the same race. They can't, they're choking to death on the ribs. Yeah, that seems a little, uh, a little tenuous, but, but continue. Okay. Um, and, and there are reports you can hear about the elongated head. A Wall Street Journal covered it and a lesser press covered it that I won't mention with the headline, Why the Long Face? And I think that's just rude, so we're not going there. Um some more evidence why I'm sure it's from this culture, descended from this culture. Uh, there were four killings in Idaho, and in Korea, four is an unlucky number, similar to 13 here, to the extent where some hotels don't have a fourth floor. They just it, stop at three. Or go up to five. but Right, yeah. right through number four. Or non-existent number four, because, ooh, bad luck, they don't want that. So they number their floors like one, two, three, five. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's just silly. And, and I mean, that's modern-day Korea, carried from way back then, and the four killings is just more proof. Um, what else? Let's see. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, the writing of a person's name in red ink is an omen of the coming of death. Modern-day Korea, that's their belief. All right. How does that tie into well, the baby back? I mean, I mean uh, barbecue sauce is brown, generally. Right, but I have a unnamed source in the Peck Morgue, Peck, Idaho, in the morgue that said once the bodies were cleaned up, you know, they have to clean the barbecue sauce off to examine and do a full autopsy. And once the bodies were cleaned off... A lot of wet wipes. Oh, a lot of them. The, each and every victim, all four, had their name written on their abdomen in red ink. All right, so this is starting to get a little bit interesting. And do you remember last week, week before, um, when you had Tom here? Certainly. And he mentioned, one of the things he mentioned was someone named Karen. Indeed, checking the names on the abdomens, one of them was Karen. Okay, so uh, it sounds like you do indeed have a source on the inside here. Um, but still, I mean, all of this, I mean, this... this. Uh, I don't know. It seems a little bit, little bit tenuous. Is that? It, it is not coincidental. Further proof. This is definitive proof. Finally, the origin of the Chila culture started from a queen that was born from the rib of a dragon. You can't get 
more proof than that. And that culture was totally obsessed with ribs. I mean, it's definitive. Big carnivores. Absolutely. All right. So why why Idaho? If you have this ancient Korean who's been alive for centuries. I don't believe it's one that has been alive for centuries. I think it's a descendant. And, you know, there's no wall. People can come into the country. And, yes, I think it's just someone came here from Korea. The family moved here. And they just couldn't control their rib lust any longer. Well, that's certainly an intriguing viewpoint, Laura. Um, let me let me get in touch with my contacts in the investigation, and um, I'm going to pass some of this information along to them. Uh, it appears, though, that the slayings may be starting back up in another state. Do I you had, think that this might have, I mean, do you think that might disrupt the pattern that you've seen? Well, if similar evidence, the ribs, the barbecue sauce, and four victims appear somewhere else, I would say that killer clearly moved on. All right. Well, I will pass this information along and and keep you and our listeners up to date on the findings. Um, Jonathan, any uh, insight you might have on this uh, this saucy assassin? Not really. I, I that's outside my area of uh, of expertise. Fair enough. Do you think that these uh, victims might have any uh, real chance of rising from their grave? Well, it seems to me that they've been pretty well uh disassembled so you know you might see a finger crawling around here or there but that's about it all right fair enough okay so uh one other thing that we discussed last week was the uh palm reader that was imprisoned and uh you know i couldn't last week i couldn't really fully express my happiness over the situation because uh swindlers like that uh jonathan i don't know if you're familiar with this but uh they had they had fleeced people for more than $70,000 to try and buy back the soul of their child who they believed because they'd been told was possessed. That's just, uh, that's just insane. Um, apparently, um, according to Jay, who was, who was with us last week, uh, it costs a lot of money. Uh, we're talking quarter, half a million dollars or so to buy back a soul from a demon. And uh, they can't be scared away by the purity of a Barbie doll or anything. So it's... Um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky situation, but my understanding is, um, well, before I share what I know, uh, do either of you have any information about this psychic or any, any information that we might not have already discussed? I don't have any information, but as you were recapping the story, you said between a quarter and half a million. It occurred to me, I want to ask Jay, because he's the one that said that price. Does it depend on how dirty or clean the soul is as to what the price is it's a fair question um perhaps we will make a note of that to ask jay next week assuming he's back from uh, where he is at he is investigating one of our topics from last week the devil's letter that has been partially translated he is uh, looking into some new evidence that came to light on that so he unfortunately couldn't be with us here this week but uh yeah i will add a note to discuss this with him for next week's program um Jonathan, any insight on these psychics? Well, personally, I don't have a whole lot of use for psychics. Uh, but, uh, you know, if you have any that you want to refer to me, I do need some test subjects for my, uh, for my research. Um, we may very well have someone, as soon as they are on parole, that we will forward your way, Jonathan. Um, so this, uh, this individual currently actually um, detained behind bars. Uh, has been fleecing the guards for even more money. 
You should know better. Guards don't have a soul. Well, I don't think he's using the same tricks, Jonathan. I think it's just this is just plain old-fashioned palm reading, what they were uh, originally set up for. They put out their little uh, shingle for palm reading. At any rate, uh, we've already touched on the devil's letter. So let's just launch on into our new topics. And it's difficult to talk about news today, paranormal or not, without touching on the coronavirus. So there's a lot of misinformation out there. A lot of people are concerned about the coronavirus. They're concerned about how they might get this virus. They're concerned about where this virus came from, how bad it is. Is it certainly deadly? Should they or a loved one contract it? And what are the odds for a cure? Is this going to turn into a world-ending pandemic? Now, personally, I'll bet I can predict your answer to this, Jonathan. I'll bet that the zombie virus is a much greater threat than the coronavirus. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, the, the, the family of coronaviruses, one of them causes a common cold. Uh-huh. Another, another one causes zombies. And another one causes these new, this new version of, of, uh, of pneumonia. But, um, you know, they, they all are interrelated. You know, the, uh, <clears throat> the zombie virus is actually, the scientific name is Anacor, which is, or Anarok, which is Corona spelled backwards, so they're they're very closely related, but uh, but there's no truth to the rumors. I've I've heard people say all kinds of crazy things about this coronavirus that uh, that it's being transported in in beer from Mexico. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. I've heard of that, and yeah. I do have a case of that that I've been avoiding drinking because of the rumors. No, no, no. After the show, let let's let's we'll open it up. All yeah. right. Uh, there's nothing wrong with with uh, Mexican beer, well, at least not the good stuff. Um, the um, the this new coronavirus, they they call it a novel coronavirus. I haven't read the book, but the the virus itself is is a nasty little little animal. It uh, they uh, they decoded the genome. It took them not much time because it's a fairly stupid virus. But uh, so they decoded the genome, and they said this uh, this genome it has like ninety percent of the uh, the sequences in this uh, novel coronavirus is uh, almost identical to a virus found in bats. All right, and that's doesn't that correlate to another rumor of how this uh, virus got started? Well, yeah, there you've got uh, you got the bats. Uh, the vampire bats just contract the virus and uh, bite people, and there you have the the uh, the the uh, the transmission to to humans. At least that's one story. I don't happen to believe that. So you don't believe the rumor that this coronavirus is related to Dracula? No, 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 no. Dracula. He uh, he got dusted a couple of hundred years ago. So he's he's not the the cause of this, but uh, but bats, on the other hand, the uh, the first handful of cases was from this uh, this uh, wildlife or, or or wild animal market where the people in in uh, China, China's got what sixteen trillion people live there now. Uh, it's a lot. Yeah, they they got a buttload of people, and uh, so they eat almost anything. Um, they've got to 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 um, 
they can't be as picky with uh, with their sources of proteins as people in other countries are because they got a lot of folks to feed. So they eat uh, they eat bats, they eat snakes, and in this wildlife uh, market where the the first five or six cases were discovered or were diagnosed, um, they sell bat soup and they sell uh, snakes. And people go there, they are around these animals, they buy these animals, they eat these animals, and some of them, all it takes is one or two bad animals and you get a handful of of, uh, sick people. And the way that this thing spreads from person to person, it uh, doesn't take long for the the number to to grow and uh, grow exponentially. All right. Well, that sounds fairly rational as far as an explanation of how it would go. But uh, what about the rumors of the massive amount of bodies that are being moved out of some uh, some little triage centers out in uh, more the more rural areas of China? I mean, are animals really getting to that many people? No, it, it, you don't need animals to get to all these people. All you really need is for the animals to get the infection started. It's just like a snowball at the top of a mountain. And the further it, further downhill it goes, the bigger it gets. And it's like this. You infect one, they infect two, and so forth. So, you know, five or six uh, uh, days into it, you should have hundreds of people infected. And the hundreds will become thousands, and the thousands will become tens of thousands. And the tens of thousands will become an army of the dead. Uh, eventually, yeah. Yeah. This virus kills them. Well... To some degree, there are a lot of folks who do not die, at least not immediately from this virus. One of these days they'll die and then they'll stand back up. But the people who do die become a small army and the rest become replacements, so to speak, later on. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that is the, uh, uh, the, the, the problem with this thing is it, it transmits person to person through the air and eventually, everybody's going to become infected, just like the documentaries on AMC. Fair enough. Um, I don't know, Laura, do you have any um, any thoughts on this topic? Um, obviously, that's not my area. But the one thing, talking about the rumors, the one rumor I heard was that it related to sun worshipers and solar flares. The coronavirus has something to do with solar flares. I don't know if that's any truth. That's just... The one rumor you didn't mention that I had heard. Yeah, that's uh, that's something that I discount. I don't. I don't think it has anything to do with sun worshippers or or uh, you know people running around naked in the sun. I, I don't think that has anything to do with it. But you know they uh, that might have uh, some small part. So since Jay is not here, uh, let me ask a question in his stead. Uh, do you know if there is any sort of an occult? slant to this coronavirus Uh, was it naturally created did this thing emerge through natural virus selection or was it some sort of a uh, some sort of a summoned microscopic entity that plagues us now no i I don't think that there's anything uh, occult about this I i think this is just uh just nature got angry and uh, said, I'm going to take care of this myself. Well, uh, I'm going to weigh in from my perspective. And uh, I've already heard rumors of government uh, 
certain government programs who shall remain unnamed for now. If you're listening to me out there, uh, you keep this up, you know, someone's going to start talking. Not saying it's going to be me, but someone's going to say something sometime. Um, But these government programs are actively trying to capture certain individuals with certain strains of the coronavirus in order to refine it, let's say, in a laboratory setting, rather than cure the patient. They're trying to collect what they can of the virus. And I'm, I'm, what I'm concerned about is that is going to um, entail the imprisonment, uh, probably under shield of a death certificate, imprison a, a patient with the coronavirus and keep them alive for as long as possible without curing them in order to continue breeding the virus that they want to study and mod- modify. Um, I guess that's just the age we live in these days. And, uh, well, I think anybody that, uh, that you find that's involved in something like that would, uh, probably have to sign an NDA. So you're not going to get me or anyone else to talk about that. Oh, snap. All right. Well, we'll, uh, maybe, maybe talk about that off the air then. And you can just resist and not say a word right after the show. All right. So, uh, Moving along to our next topic for the evening, um, Laura, you have come across something incredibly interesting on your most recent assignment for DHP, and I would greatly uh, love it if you would share your findings with us from the great state of Kentucky. Sure, Michael. Um, And this is another example. You can find the first part in the newspapers that's being covered in the news, but they aren't telling you everything. Surprise. Um... You see me astonished here. Oh, yeah. So in the caves in Kentucky, they, well, first off, shark's tooth. Lots of kids have shark's tooth. If you've been to the beach, you probably found them. It is the number one most common fossil in the world. So in the caves in Kentucky, at first they were finding those, the teeth of sharks. And then as they were exploring deeper and further, they found an actual shark skeleton intact. Now, normally it's real hard to get a skeleton because it's out in the environment and it wears away over time, you know. And so you'll see in the news sources, they were astonished to find an intact shark skeleton in the cave. So this is uh, inland in in Kentucky. Yes, exactly. A shark skeleton. Yes, it's a landlocked But, But fossilized. Yes. So this is from like maybe when the state was underwater. Correct correct it's landlocked now for those that might not know their geography but yes so that's so nothing nothing to fear to our uh, kentuckian residents out there if you believe the story stops there as the newspapers will tell you but i I detect a threat coming well there's a but coming i don't know if it's a threat oh that kind of threat so um they've been going through the cave and yes it's a protected environment but They've been finding, in addition to teeth and shark skeleton, some of the explorers that have gone in have come out. They're keeping it under wraps, but they've come out with big chunks of skin missing from their legs. And looking at it, it's not like a zombie kind of rotten away thing. It is clearly in the shape and formation of a shark bite. And this is uh, this is the crux of why you went out to investigate, right? Yes, exactly. Um not all of the people that went in to explore and got bit survived. As you know, I have morgue uh, connections. Sure. Various. And 
it was someone in the morgue that contacted me about this, that, yes, severe shark bites, that caused them to bleed to death. So did you go, uh, did you go there and investigate this yourself? Yes. I wore my Kevlar waist-high boots, hoping to keep any bites off of my legs and extremities. Um, I, I was fine, by the way. So you wore hip boots? Yes. Should we wear our hip boots to go with you on this journey? No, you're perfectly safe here. All right. And, uh, yeah, the Dark Hollow Fortress, you're safe. You know that. Sure. Okay. So, so yes, I went originally to follow up about this. And in addition to shark's teeth, bones laying around, some human, in addition to shark's shark skeletal remains. Human bones. Exactly. Mixed in among the skeletons. Exactly. Were they also from when the state was under the sea? They were very fresh remains. They were fresh enough that the, not corpse dogs, what did they call them? The dogs that go smell bodies. Recently died bodies. Cadaver dogs, yes. I know it wasn't corpse dog. The cadaver dogs. Um, they took them in there and they found them. If the, they were prehistoric remains, the dogs couldn't pick up any scent. These are fresh human remains. In addition to those skeletal remains for both species, there were odd tracks found, not just the dog footprints walking around, but ones that looked sort of like the foot of a turtle, but flatter, not as deep, and it looked like a foot, a bifurcated footprint that could easily have been a shark fin beginning the evolution to becoming able to walk, becoming ambulatory. Now that is, uh, that's a little bit uh, out there, uh, even even for us here, Laura. So you're saying that these sharks might be currently prowling the cave on fin feet. Yes. And consuming people looking for teeth. Yes. They're clearly tripedal, if you want to express it like that. And, I mean, it's clear that that's what it is. So they're walking around on three feet, like a couple of fin feet and a tail. Yes, yes. Very interesting. Um, yeah, I uh, am overcome by an urge not to go to Kentucky, Laura. Um, so what, what, uh, what particular caverns are infected with these uh, potential tribal I, shark I denizens? Not, sorry, I'm not going to name names, but for those that know, there's a big famous national park there that's known for its caves and that's where it was discovered is it cave cavern national park no michael is it sharks are in here national park it may soon be changed to that name yes (laughs) i obviously know my national parks yes yeah it's not quite my field i'm more in the uh conspiracy region i would say all right so this is actually uh so without naming names as you said this is in conjunction with a national park yes and we have a very real and present uh, toothy danger to tourists who might be delving into the caves in the national parks of Kentucky. Yes, if they want to get some fried chicken, I suggest they go to a different state. Fair enough. Um, yeah, so let, let's just put out a public service announcement to those who might be traveling to or residing within Kentucky to... Uh, Maybe stay above ground. It might be a little bit safer until uh, until we know more. Absolutely. Jonathan, what do you think about this? You know a little bit about uh, strange things and evolution, strange evolutionary quirks. 
that have affected the microscopic world. What about the uh, subsurface world? Well, it's it's not uh, the first place that I'd look for uh, for my research specimens, but uh, you were talking about uh, footprints that look like uh, might be turtle feet, and all I could think about was a certain senator from Kentucky. All right, we can just leave that there. Would hate to have any lawsuits come our way. I guess they're a public figure, right? But still. All right. Um, lastly, for our topics for tonight, we have a, a story that has been covered in many nooks and and uh, and uh, angles, I guess you could say, uh, on the Internet for years now. And this, this comes from Texas, where at the, around this time of year, the sky can literally be blackened by hordes of birds, in particular, one specific kind of bird, the great-tailed grackle. I mean, there, there are. If you go out and look for uh, Texas birds on the internet, you will find an endless supply of such videos. I'll go ahead and tag one of those on tonight's uh, show notes at darkhollow.tv. Uh, just uh, head over there and take a look, and you will see for yourself how many of these birds can appear in the sky at one time. Now, I'm not, not going not to say that the video that I tagged there will be the, uh, you know, the end-all, be-all of blackened bird skies, but uh, it'll give you some sense of it. And uh, what I wanted to talk about tonight briefly is just that this is not a paranormal phenomenon. There's nothing unnatural about bird migration. See, birds like to travel to where the climate is uh, best for them, and that changes uh, from from season to season. Also, birds are uh, one of the most common exhibitors of flocking behavior, and uh, they tend to travel in clumps, and some birds are more social than others, and the clumps are larger. And that's what you get with the great-tailed grackle. You get a lot of birds all at once. Now, Laura, your, your background is very animal-oriented. Uh, what say you about all of these uh, these supposed people like, oh, the, uh, the birds. It's like the movie The Birds, and uh, they're coming to get us uh, stories that you see all over the Internet. Uh, I think even uh, a well-known uh, paranormal radio program that's broadcast from coast to coast uh, has covered this topic recently, um, at least on their uh, paranormal news uh, section of their webpage and uh, you know what what have you to say about the migration of the great-tailed grackle is there anything paranormal or unusual about this well michael of course you know i've got several degrees from cornell and animal husbandry and i could just 100 percent back you up there is nothing paranormal about it you've everybody knows about the swans of capistrano that migrate go to the same place bird migration should not be something new. I mean, everybody knows about that. That's perfectly natural. So I back you up 100% on that. Yeah, those cappuccino swans. It's uh, it's exactly like close, that. Close. So, uh, Jonathan, you have any information about these uh, bird migrations, or would you like to say anything at all about uh, people that think there's something strange going on when the birds are migrating? Birds are going to do what birds are going to do. Yep, and that's all we have to say about that. So uh, a little treat for our listeners out there. We have one additional video. Um, you know, I said this isn't going to be an every week thing, 
but uh, we will have them from time to time. And, uh, you know, it just so happens that we have one this week as well. It's an Is It Real video, this time depicting what is believed to be the return of Nahuelito, a, uh, a great serpent akin to Loch Ness. And we have this video that um, has cropped up on the Internet. And I'm just going to play a snippet of it here for those present. Uh, you may hear it a bit in the background. What I'm going to do is I'm going to show this here in the Dark Hollow Cabin. And I'm also going to uh, post this on today's program notes for February 7th, 2020. And uh, if you want to weigh in in the comments down below the episode and just let us know, do you think this is real? Is it paranormal? Paranatural even? Or is it just something totally natural? Or is it some sort of a hoax? where it's not a natural phenomenon, but neither is it in any way supernatural. I don't know. It, it, it uh, suggests that this is a great sea serpent, Nahuelito. What do you guys think? That looked like a damn big snake to me. Fair enough. What about you, uh, Laura? What do you think? I was thinking we shouldn't weigh in right now, let the viewers have an unbiased look at it, and come back next week to the topic. I respect your opinion, but this is a great sea serpent. I think this is truly paranormal right here. I think this is an animal that is of unknown origin, some sort of a cryptid. Uh, We need to send either you or Alex out there and see what you guys can see. We'll have to get in touch and see what would you be one of us out. Would you be willing to go diving in the waters where that thing was spotted? It can't be worse than the sharks. You do have hip boots. Exactly. Do you have a you know a submarine of some sort that you could go down in? I do not. I'll have to check with Alex, see what he's got in his inventory. Fair enough. All right. Let me just uh, double check here, but I believe that brings us to the end of tonight's program, and it certainly does. Uh, any final words for our guests out there, Jonathan? Our uh, listeners, I mean. Don't eat bat soup. Don't eat the bat soup. Fair enough. I will take that advice. And I will pop open those uh, Mexican beers with you guys right after the program. Uh, Laura, what say you to our listeners out there who haven't heard you in a long time? It is good to be back. I I enjoyed working with the team here. And it's good to be back, but stay out of the Kentucky caves for a while. Yet another warning. The world seems full of warnings these days, ladies and gentlemen. And my own warning, don't cheat the tax man. It's about that time of year. Pay your taxes. And with that, we're going to go ahead and back out of tonight's program. As you settle in for a sleep tonight, don't forget to check underneath the bed and behind the pillow, behind the door. Crack open that window and peek outside and make sure there's not some crazy neighbor hiding in the dark waiting to come in with a big bag of ribs or even worse maybe they did have the bat soup and they've gone bat soup crazy maybe it's a psychic with a prediction of doom and a red marker with your name on their mind and your torso in their sights. All sorts of ways you could go. 
How about natural causes? That's, that's the way I want to go. Have a safe week, everybody.